Well, welcome everybody. We're so grateful that you are here in this place, and I'm grateful to be back with you. Everybody that is with us online, uh, we say good morning. Whether you're here with us live today uh, on ccmonline.org, Facebook, YouTube, or maybe you're uh, with us on podcast later on this week, how grateful we are that you've taken some time to be with us uh, to hear an amazing message from Pastor Kathleen this morning, part two of last week's message. So we're grateful to hear that. Let's hear a little hand clap for Pastor Kathleen. And um, so we're grateful that you've taken time out of your busy Sunday or maybe Wednesday or, or Thursday. And so thank you so much for being here with us with this week.
I'm still hobbling around and uh, have my lovely assistant who helps me. And Ron, thank you for setting me up here with this. I have so many needs. It's hard for me that I'm so needy. <laughs> it's, it's good for me, though. It's good for me to rely on other people to help me. And um, so last week we started, uh, well, all summer we've been doing spiritual gifts. Have you guys enjoyed that? Yeah, it's been so good, so good. So spiritual gifts. And last week I started talking about the fact that um, God, because we have the Spirit of God inside of us, we all have spiritual gifts. And uh, God really wants for us to discover what those gifts are so that we can put them into practice and begin to benefit other people, build the body of Christ. It helps to bring us purpose and fulfillment. And so how many took their uh, spiritual gift assessment that I gave us homework last week? Anybody? All right. Few, my husband, look at that. And Sharon, a few people, few people have taken it. And uh, I hope that if you haven't yet, you still will. We have several copies up at the next steps, and they're all, it's always on our website. So take your spiritual gift assessment and find out what the spiritual gifts are that you have. Because uh, last week we talked about that we are God's masterpiece and that he has created us as a, as a poem, his poem, created in his image. And so uh, the first scripture I want to look at today is Galatians 6, 4, and it, it says... Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you've been given. And then sink yourself into that. And so I love that scripture um, to make a careful exploration. So that means be curious. Uh, go on a discovery like a treasure hunt. and Find out what those spiritual gifts are that, that God has, um, has given you. And I think one of the very best ways to do that is when we can begin paying attention to our lives. And um, so often, you know, we just are living on autopilot and we just do the next thing that's in front of us. But really, when we can stop long enough, and if you've been around Crossroads for any length of time, you know that that's a, a value that we hold here is, is being able to have times of reflection and contemplation, a slowing down time. So when we can begin to slow down and pay attention to our lives, uh, we really might hear what the Spirit of God is trying to say in us and through us. And I love this quote by Parker Palmer. It says, Before you tell your life what you intend to do with it, listen for what it intends to do with you. Before you tell your life what truths and values you have decided to live up to, let your life tell you what truths you embody and what values you represent. And I think that, you know, the key word in this is listen. And so um, sometimes what we do is we compare ourselves with others and we say, oh, his life is going great and he's doing this, so therefore I need to do that. Or her life looks like she's got really it all together. So we try to pattern ourselves after other people's lives externally. We look outward. And so, you know, 
it's a common thing that people do. We read a scripture last week. If you didn't listen last week, maybe you want to go back and listen. But we read a scripture about how God doesn't want us to compare ourselves to others because we are so unique and we are so um, specifically designed by God for a specific purpose. So we don't want to fit into another person's life. We want to um, be who God's created us to be. Be the you that, uh, that he's created because only you can be you. So, so our first thing is um, paying attention. And so pay attention. It's kind of like an examine of your life or um, if you're not familiar with that term, it's a kind of a review of your life. But when you can stop long enough to pay attention, you can notice what energizes you. Are you energized when you're working with children? Are you energized when you're creative? Are you energized when you're entertaining, when you're in nature, when you're visiting the the sick or teaching or singing or encouraging? Any of those things, pay attention to what energizes you so that you can add more of that into your life. And in the same way, you also want to pay attention to what drains you. So we all um, have different things in our life that really just suck the energy out of us. And they might, it might be people that suck the energy out of us. It might be activities. It might be environments. And um, uh, whatever it is, just when you can begin to pay attention to that, it, even if you can't eliminate it fully, you can really put boundaries around it, right? So if we're on autopilot and we're just doing the next thing, we just think we have to do some of the things that we don't even enjoy doing or the things that really drain us or suck the life out of us. But when we begin to pay attention to what drains us, and uh, then we can kind of just make different choices. So stop and listen to um, what your life might be trying to say to you and so that you can live into your best spirit-filled life. So uh, last week we looked at spiritual gifts as being one key, and that's just one key. And so we're going to look at four other keys today. Um, Now this is, and so it's shape. So we we look at our shape, and S stands for spiritual gifts. And um, this, I'm going to do a quick overview, but this is a class that I teach um, that each week we look at these different, um, it's an acronym for the five things that make you, you. So um, if you are interested in the class, I will be teaching another class this fall. And um, at the Next Steps kiosk, we'll have Kelly back there after service at the Next Steps. If you're interested in taking the class, sign up. I don't have a day and a time picked yet. I'm going to see what kind of interest there is. And if there's interest, I'd love to offer the class. I know several people in this room have already taken the class and have really uh, lived into their God-given shape and design um, as a result of understanding this. But So today you get a quick overview. And we did S last week, and so today we're going to look at um, H for heart, okay? So we're going to, uh, when we consider our heart, we're considering what are we passionate about. Um, Maybe it's it's helping the most vulnerable uh, among us, uh, whether it's through feeding, um, feeding the hungry through the food bank, like with the Searles family and the Anderson family and the whole team of people that work to help... um, help our uh, feed the hungry in our region. Um, I, or maybe you have a passion for the unemployed and your work, like Jacques, his, his work is designed to help the unemployed. Or I think about um, Sharon Stewart, who's in the room, and she took the SHAPE class and she realized that one of her giftings um, was helping and her ability, which we're going to talk about in a minute, 
as one of her abilities in writing, she decided to volunteer her time and her services to help people to write resumes. And there are many people in this church that have gotten jobs as a result of Sharon helping them with, um, with their writing their resumes, which I just think is so cool because it's, it's a perfect example of, of taking your God-given gifts and abilities and using it to benefit others, as we read in the, in the call to worship scripture. So maybe the desire of, or what are the desires of your heart? Uh, maybe you have a desire to help young people, so you become a mentor or a coach or a teacher. Um, when you consider your heart, you consider what makes you come alive? What are the things that, um, that make you come alive? And maybe it's a gift of teaching or it's a hospitality or encouragement. So pay attention to what, what, you, what helps you to come alive and do more of that. Also, a good question to consider when you're paying attention to your passions and your heart is what disturbs you enough to make you stand up and speak out? And so... Um, you know, maybe there's suffering in the world that keeps you up at night, and there's, there's different situations that, that you just wrestle with, and you say, I, I want to stand up, and I want to do something about these injustices or this suffering. And I think about um, our Shauna, who's, Shauna's watching us on, uh, online today because she's not feeling well, but, she, you know, she, things that kept her up a, a, awake at night, so she decided to Go on the school board so she can be a part of change and be a part of making decisions. Um, I think about Tashna, who, who ra- racial recon- uh, reconciliation is a real passion of hers to see that happen in our world. And so not only does she do it in her workplace, but she does it in the church here. So she offers that gift to us. So paying attention to what keeps you up at night. Um, I love the way that Dr. Howard Thurman says it. He says, Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And I just love that um, when we can pay attention to what makes us come alive, then we're bringing our fully alive self to whatever situation or whatever activity that that we are um, involved in. And so pay attention to to what lights you up, because over and over again in the scripture, um, we see that uh, the word tells us to serve the Lord with all of our heart. So that is uh, the H. Pay attention to your heart and your longings. Um, The next one is uh, A is for abilities. What do you do naturally better than other people do? And sometimes with our abilities, uh, so we know natural ability is a collection of strengths that God wants us to use to, to, to fulfill our unique kingdom purpose in life. And sometimes um, when we have a natural ability, because it's so natural to us, we just think everybody can do it, which is not the case. So you have natural abilities. As a matter of fact, uh, I have this little worksheet that we do in class and it has 50 different um, abilities on it. And we have some at the next step. So if you are one, you know, you're saying, well, what are my abilities? What do I have that I could offer? I would recommend getting that worksheet and just looking at, at what the abilities that you have. And I heard this story just um, a few days ago, and it was, just, it was just beautiful. So I was thinking about, you know, so Ryan, our, our, um, the guy playing the guitar behind us, he is, he's got a gift of helping and serving, and um, he's, one of his gifts and his abilities is um, in craftsmanship. And so, 
You see these beautiful candle walls. Those, we didn't get those at, at some, um, you know, expensive place that we had to pay tons of money for someone who designed that, put it together, and that we bought it. No. Ryan took his, his gift to, um, to see a need and craft something that could benefit all of us. And so every time we go up to those candle walls, I love the fact that it was his giftings and abilities being put to use in the church so that we could all benefit. And you know what, what else I found out about that? Is that Shannon's husband, J.D., was he donated the wood. So isn't it a beautiful, I just love that. Yeah, that's such, such a cool, it's such a cool thing how when we all come together. So, you know, if you have something to offer, you have no idea how much it can benefit other people. Um, I think about Linda. You know, when you see a lot of the art around, actually not a lot, all of the art around here is, is people in the church who have an artistic ability that say, I want to use my gift to serve and build up the body of Christ. And, you know, Linda's gift of art has been, um, has been so um, unique and so beautiful in, over the years. Like, she has a gift to, like, a different theme of Scripture or a different um, season in the church that we're going through. She designs art that can be used for all of us to enter into a place of worship. So... It's just, those are just a couple of examples of how your giftings and your abilities work in support of one another and can benefit and bless the church. So, pick up one of those worksheets if you're, um, if you're interested. And, you know, we know in the, um, I don't have time to read it today, but in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, it talks about um, a, a master going away and he has all these different affairs that he needs to assign different people to watch over them while he's gone. And it's a picture of Christ in the church. And so he gives different ones, um, different responsibilities. And I love the verse. um, I don't remember what verse it is, but it's in Matthew 25. I would read it and maybe sometime this week. But it talks about um, God gave each according to their ability. So God didn't give anybody more than they could. uh, didn't ask them to do something that he didn't give them the abilities to do. And what I love in that 25, the very last verse, um, after, so the master went away, gave them all different things to do according to their abilities, and then when he came back, they all had to give an account as to what they did with what they were given. And, um, and so he, in verse 29, uh, the master says, because some used him well, some did not. And so the master said, to those who use well, what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what they have will be taken away. So that's kind of like use it or lose it, right? Got to use it or lose it. When you use the giftings that God's given you, he'll give you an abundance. That's why I said last week, if you've taken a spiritual gift assessment a year ago, Take it again, because if you've been using your gifts, you're going to see that you have an abundance and that God has given you even more. So we're going to go to P, personality. And so when we look at personality, we're looking at how has God wired me? Okay, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time here because, um, you know, if you've been around Crossroads long enough, you know that personality is a big part of what we talk about, and uh, we use the Enneagram for personality as a tool of transformation because what the Enneagram does is it helps us to uncover 
um, some of the, the parts of our personality that will benefit us and some of the parts of our personality that get in our way. And so um, we have a lot of information about the Enneagram as a tool of transformation right on our website. So you go, go to our website under growth resources. Of course, our pastors have written a book that has been super helpful for all of us. It's called Spiritual Rhythms for the Enneagram. Um, but it helps you to identify how you can serve others well with your personality because our personality, our God-given personality, is how we reflect God. And so it's going to be different for all of us. And it's a beautiful um, way that we can all uh, just be a different reflection of God. Not the same. We're not the same. We're different. And one is not better than the other, but different. And, and all of it is important. And so when we can reflect uh, the image of God, we're bringing our true selves. Um, I do want to look at 1 Corinthians 12. If you... If you have been following along over the summer, uh, that's one of the, the key scriptures where spiritual gifts are talked about and named in scripture. But in <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 12, the church is described as a body. And so um, let's just read that. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Our bodies have many parts, and each part is just where God wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to certain parts. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. I love that. So all the members care for uh, each other. So if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. And so each of you is being a part of it. If one suffers, we all suffer. And, um, and so just as our natural bodies can suffer uh, from affliction, so can we as members of the body of Christ. And, and so two common afflictions that are spiritual afflictions when it comes to our personality and false strategies um, that show up in our lives is the first one is people who feel useless, ineffective, or unnecessary. So um, they might be the people in the church that say, they don't need me, you don't need me. And, you know, kind of like the wisdom teeth of the body or the appendix of the body. It's like, oh, if it's there, it's there. If it's not, no big deal. It's not, nobody will notice. So there are some people who, who feel ineffective or useless or unnecessary. And on the other end of the spectrum, there's the people who feel superior or they feel self-sufficient. And they say, I don't need you. And so, um, you know, those are the people that feel like I can do it myself. I can do it better by myself. And so they, um, they don't see their need for others. And so when the when the body of Christ starts thinking and feeling and acting in this way, then the church, um, the whole body is sick. And so we need to understand as the body of Christ that we are all uh, needed, not only needed, but vital to the working of the, of the, um, the effectiveness of the church. And in the same way that we need diversity in our culture, we need diversity in the church. We need diversity in spiritual gifts. We need everybody to bring their, like that scripture we read, wouldn't it be strange if the body had only one part? 
And, and think about that in the body of Christ. Wouldn't it be strange if every member of the church just had one gift, the same gift? There would be no diversity. There would be no, um, no uh, you know, reflection of the whole um, image of God. And so we don't want to be sick. We want to bring, um, bring our personalities in their best selves. And so having an understanding of the strengths and the, um, the parts of your personality that get in the way are going to be super helpful in uncovering your purpose in life. Because all of these um, are part of your purpose. Your shape is a part of your God-given purpose. God put these inside of you um, so that you could fulfill a specific role in this world. And so the last one is experiences. And that's E for experiences. And that answers the question, where have I been and what have I learned? And, um, you know, understanding our experiences are key to our purpose. And so one of the things we do in the, um, the class, the shape class, is we take a look. We do this little exercise. I put together this um, little worksheet that we do. You can do it on any piece of paper, but um, we do this exercise where we take some time and we consider the hallway of your life. And I give everybody time to just consider the hallway of your life, like walking down the, ca- the hallway of your life. And um, we look at both sides of the hallway because sometimes, you know, on one side of the hallway we have the, um, you know, we have our positive portraits. We have, we have the parts of our life that are, um, you know, maybe achievements and successes and places that we've, that we've been recognized and given awards and whether it's vocationally or relationally or educationally or spiritually. You know, those are the, the, um, the best parts of our life, and that's great. It's good to notice those so that you can say, well, if you have a healthy relationship, you know, Sean and I have been married for 40 years, and that's, we've gone through many dangers, toils, and snares to be able to say we've been married 40 years, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and so we recognize that that's not common, and we recognize that every relationship has, has trouble, So um, we want to be able to mentor other couples. We want to be able to say, hey, we we have done this journey, and come on along and we'll help you because you can do it. If we can do it, you can do it. So looking at the positive side of of your hallway and, and the things that you have accomplished are really helpful in serving others. And in the same way, sometimes we, you know, go down the hallway and then the the failures, the difficulties the um the challenges we want to avoid that side of the hallway we don't want to look at that part of the hallway because that's the part that hurts or that's the part that um that can uh you know it it's not easy to look at at times and so i just want to encourage you in that god wants to um he desires to take all of our experiences the positive and the painful and use them for his glory. It's why I teach the grief class. Why Sean and I do the grief class? Because many of you know we lost our 21-year-old son. And the pain was unbearable. And we never thought we could get through it. And so we had people that helped us. So now our desire is to take the same pain um, that it talks about in Second Corinthians 1.4. 
He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. Yes, and so any kind of support group, um, I think about our dear Jane, a two-time cancer survivor, and she survived cancer two times. So guess what she does, has been doing for the last, I don't even know how many years, at least five or six or ten, I don't know. She runs a cancer support group. That's because she, has, she knows the pain of getting that kind of diagnosis, all the feelings and, the, and what happens through that process. So she says, I want to come alongside other people and use what God has given me. And so whether it's um, for you, whether it's divorce or addiction or betrayal or abuse, whatever that, um, the painful side of your hallway that maybe you've been avoiding looking at, I just really encourage you to take the time to walk down that side of the hallway with God and see how he may be able to comfort you. Or if you've already walked, it, walked down that hallway and you've been comforted through your painful experiences, how can you offer that same um, painful experience and, the, and how you have healed to another person? And uh, Richard Rohr says, you may have heard, he says, if we don't learn how to transform our pain, we will surely transmit our pain. And so being sure that that you allow God to transform your pain will allow you to um, help others to transform their pain. And so anytime you can use your God-given shape to help others, you are fulfilling your, uh, your calling. You're fulfilling your purpose. And the Bible says in Romans 7, 4, now you belong to him in order that you might be useful in the service of God. Think about that for a minute. We belong to him, and he desires that we would be useful in the service of God. So even as we close right now, I want you to consider, um, are you utilizing? These are questions to consider for you this week. Are you utilizing your shape, your spiritual gifts, your abilities, your personality, and your experiences to be useful in the service of God? And if not, don't condemn yourself, don't shame yourself, don't blame yourself, but say, how can I start? Where and how and when can I start to put those, um, the things that God has deposited inside of me For the benefit of others, the scripture is very clear. He's given you things not just for you. And we talked last week, if if your gifts just benefit you, it's time to rethink things and relook at things because they're given for the benefit of others. And so um, just want everybody to remember that you all have a very important and vital role to play in the body of Christ and serving God. So thank you. Thank you, Kathleen. Well, before we close today, we want to make sure to pray and, uh, and to receive communion and to give thanks for our sister Kathleen, who shares with us her, her gifts and the things that God has given her that we might all grow. And we are encouraged by that to then see the things about our own lives and 
join with one another arm in arm to see what we can do with one another, how we can encourage, how we can grow. And so as we prepare our hearts to pray and for communion, um, if you want to begin, make sure that you have your communion cup. Um, and if you don't have one uh, already, there should be some by you on the tables. And if there's not, uh, there's some in the back or you can even raise your hand for someone to help with you, uh, you to find that. But why don't we begin? Um, if you're not, if you came with a group of people and you want to share communion with the family and, and get around a table or get closer, you can do that. If you see friends or family that you want to share in that together with, you can. Or if you want to just be by yourself, that's awesome too. But we know that uh, however you're spread out in this room, that we are together in the body of Christ with one another. And so let's begin uh, by praying our prayers of the people today. And as always, you'll see spots where the lead will pray, and that'll be me today, and the all will be all of us. And then there'll be places for you to be able to lift up individuals' names. And so, uh, and you can pull off that crinkly top of your communion wafer anytime. Don't worry about making noise with that. It happens. Oh, creating one, help us to become women and men where your vision for us becomes visible through all that we do and say. Give us the courage and the confidence to tell the stories of our lives, that those stories would give us purpose and hope and lead others to love and mercy. And together we pray, the gifts and purposes of our lives begin in and lead us to your spirit. We give thanks. God, let our stories create space for others to find the unique stories of their own lives. And let our stories confront but not oppress, inspire but not manipulate. Let us invite others and be invited ourselves to encounter the spirit of the living God. The gifts and purposes of our lives begin in and lead us to your spirit. We give thanks. God, we know that today many are without hope and they have experienced trauma or illness or poverty and the loneliness that can come from all of them. Let each of us play a part in encouraging our sisters and brothers in the ways that we are each capable. We pray for our friends who are in such circumstances. And so thinking of those circumstances today, friends, let's lift up the names of our friends that we know who have been experiencing difficulty and pain, maybe even trauma and poverty. And so if you'd like to, just in your mind, you can lift them up or you can lift their name up now. Oh God, today I lift up. Lord, we remember your children who are sick today, and I pray for, and whoever you know that's sick today, lift up their name today. God. And for those in need of resources, today I remember my friend, my brother, my sister, and let's lift them up to God today. 
And so today, and we pray together, the gifts and purposes of our lives begin in and lead us to your spirit. We give thanks. Caring one, we pray for our friends and neighbors who teach and heal and protect. We pray your blessing, hope, and care be upon them. And thinking of people who do those kinds of caring and educating and healing jobs. Today, oh God, I lift up to you the name of my friend who serves our communities. And God, even in, uh, for our teachers or, that are in their final weeks of summer, preparing for their classes, help them to have the resources that they need for their students. Together we pray. The gifts and purposes of our lives begin in and lead us to your spirit. We give thanks. And so now let's take a few moments in the silence to meditate on our own stories and to contemplate on how our stories might join with others to bring hope into the world. Let's meditate on the things that Pastor Kathleen taught us today and think of our own lives and think of those around us. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you're with us, and we thank you for how much you love us. We thank you for reminding us that we are important to you and we are important to one another. So God, expand our ability to love and to serve and to grow and to help our communities transform. And let's pray together. The gifts and purposes of our lives begin in and lead us to your spirit. We give thanks. And so if you're able and you'd like to stand with me as as we prepare this bread and this juice and remember what Jesus did. And so we're reminded that Jesus gathered with his friends much like we're doing today. And was an evening that Jesus knew would be very difficult for him and where he knew that he would need to be as encouraged as he was encouraging these people around the table. But Jesus knew that this was the opportunity to establish something that would not be just for them, but but would be for us throughout history to receive the bread and the wine together. And we do this in remembrance of Jesus. And so Jesus, while they were eating, took bread, gave thanks, and broke that bread. Gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. And together can we say, Jesus, we remember you. Jesus, we remember you. And let's take the bread together. they took the bread together Jesus took the cup and gave thanks 
And Jesus offered that cup to them as it's being offered to each of us today, saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is as the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And again, let's say, Jesus, we remember you. Jesus, we remember you. And let's take the juice together. Jesus, we thank you for establishing this for us, the taking of the bread and the wine together, that we would encourage one another and that we would sit together and learn with one another and receive wisdom from those that would teach us so that even the new wine would come up within us that we might serve our brothers and sisters. And so in this moment, we sing and we pray the song in great thanksgiving for Jesus, all that you're doing in us and through us and through and in our communities. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the sunlight, now surrender. You are breaking new ground, so I yield to you and to your careful hand. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. Sing out together. So make me a vessel.
old hymn, Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with
I'm just blessed. I'm, I'm so blessed to see the gifts. She's reached into the Spirit of God. It's been placed into her, and she's encouraging us. And I've seen it in, in manifest in our church and the people and the individuals. That's really what God calls. You know, when I coached high school for 30 years, football, it, it was about finding the gifts in you for your team, for the purpose, and leaving it all on the field. Just leave it all on the field. Just, just do it all. Don't miss out because every breath you have is a gift. So I pray that for you guys today. I pray through the Holy Spirit, God has placed gifts in you. You are gifted. You are blessed. May you hear and walk out the gifts of the Spirit in you to manifest in the kingdom's purpose today. We thank you, Lord, for each gift, each person. We pray protection over them pray that you would manifest the kingdom of God in each of our lives, individually and corporately today. Thank you for your spiritual gifts, God. Amen.